and welcome to episode five of the Surreya Global Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by FPL Chef, You'll Never Walk Alone Blockchain, and myself, Hybe Index. Today, for episode five, we thought we'd mix it up a little bit and invite on some guests, so it's a pleasure to welcome Tom C and Quinny. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. How's it going? Yeah, very well, very well. So this week, with the guys on with us, we're going to be focusing on the recent Q4 Ask Me Anything with Nicholas. So lots of good information came out there. Um, so we'll touch on that, go into to some of the details. We'll talk about how we got on in game week 108. We'll start previewing the upcoming game week 109, see what we've got in store there. Any lineups we think are, are going to be fairly successful. And then we've got the, the first matchups in the Surreya Managers World Cup to look at. So, Tom, yeah, I think you're going to give the updates for our teams. I know you've been taking a, a keen interest there. So, definitely get you to, to give our, our Kenya update. And then yeah. we've got the PSG 50th edition special card. So, some crazy sales the other day there. Um, I think we were, I, I've not caught it up, but we must be somewhere in the, the 40 to 50,000 euros and pounds region there. Uh, we had a, a Neymar unique and a Mbappé super rare got for auction. And funnily enough, we've got somebody on today who, who bought one of those. So I'm sure we can ask a few questions there. And as always, we've got some questions from the community. So we'll, we'll try our best to answer as many of them as we can. So, Chef, over to you. So welcome to our guests, Tom and Quinny. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your surreal journey so far? And how we found it. So we'll come to you first, Tom. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, it was actually through Hybe, really, through his his tweets, uh, kind of drew my attention to the platform. I'd originally been a, a Football Index user um, and kind of dabbled in Footstock as well at the, at the launch of that. Um, and the kind of amalgamation of that combined with FPL really got me interested in So Rare. I remember messaging, messaging Hybe saying, I bought my first 10 cards which soon became 20, which soon became 50. Um, and yeah, I think the more you get into it, the more there is to like. So, How many do you have now? <laughs> uh, I've just tipped over 500. What? <laughs> <laughs> <Let's>... Yeah. 10th <laughs> most on the platform at the moment, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll be putting a uh, telephone helpline number out uh, after the uh, after the cast for those that uh, have been affected by this. <laughs> well, I think one of the crazy things, Tom, is quite a lot of them are wins. I don't know if it's fifty yeah. or do you know about sixty odd seventy cards? Well, you must yeah, after, after after this week's rewards, I'll be upwards of upwards of seventy. I'm sitting at sixty four at the moment. Um, four of those are a super res. I'm up to just upwards of of 60 super res now. So yeah, quite quite a decent percentage have been wins, yeah. Very nice, very nice. So Quinny, let's talk about your survey journey so far. How are you finding the platform? Uh, well, so far so good. I'm having lots of fun with it. Um, again, very similar to Tom. Um, the messaging uh, Hybe, and he'd sent me a, the, the, the message that Hybe sent me was a screenshot, I think, or he sent me a tweet and it was the, the Ronaldo unique bundle or whatever it was. It was like, 12 grand or something crazy like that and um, yeah, my, all I really remember was my response to the message and I was like mate you need to give me your phone number and we need to talk about what the fuck this is and <laughs> you know, I need to know what's going on here so it just grabbed my attention right away <clears throat> the same as Tom as well this football index before um, still on that footstock still on that so I, I liked a lot of the 
unlike a lot of the um, kind of similarities in that respect. And the, the thing that I, I really like about all this stuff that we're kind of talking about kind of in this little intro piece, if you like, is um, I'm one of these people, you guys are probably similar, you're born and bred on football managers of kids, you know, you're um, growing up watching all this, you know, we've been through a massive revolution in football over the last 20 years on every facet of it. And this kind of generation that we all kind of belong to, we've all grown up with that, you know, and we're all massive football heads and stat heads and we love the finer details and knowing the intricacies of who's the coach in that team and, you know, what youth academy did that guy come from and, you know, who won the, who won the bloody Croatian League last year, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so I just found that this, um, kind of, because it is global, it's got, the, it's got the potential to kind of satisfy my kind of needs in that respect a lot quicker and probably fuller than other things I've, I've been involved in thus far. I have a long answer. I don't know if that's kind of what you're after or whatever, but yeah, so far so good. Having lots of fun. <laughs> okay, well, great to hear, Tom and uh, Quinny. Uh, I think uh, you will have uh, similar journeys to many of those that are listening in, and you know, collectively, you guys have uh, both got off to cracking starts and uh, are good sources of uh, information for new managers that uh, perhaps want to have a few tips. Uh, so, the main talking points this week came from the company AMA, which took place on Wednesday where Nicholas came into the Discord channel. Uh, we had a number of questions that we were all able to submit and upvote. And he took the time to answer the top 15 questions that were posed to by the community. And then there were some spin-off questions as a result from that as well. So I think today what we would like to concentrate on is going through some of those major questions and then, you know, perhaps give our own interpretations of the answers and, uh, yeah, see where we go from there. So... Looking at the uh, the main points uh, that most people wanted to hear about is that we have experience on our cards, and that's the main differentiator between, let's say we've all got the same card, your XP might be higher than my XP, um, and it's coming in mid-November. So from Nicholas's question, what will XP turn into? We'll be announcing a new system in the coming days and launching it by mid-November. There will be no more power, but XP will still exist alongside card levels. The more XP your card has, the higher the level and the more and the more bonus you will have on your player score. Um, so I don't know how you guys interpret that. I've got my uh, viewpoint, but maybe, Tom, you can crack off with um, how you uh, uh, understood the answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it actually impacts the different divisions in, in quite different ways. I think... Uh, and obviously you've been a, a beneficiary of this. Division one was sort of fairly wrapped up by those high-powered uniques, um, and now potentially new uniques onto the market or, or even one as rewards can give people a route into to a division one win that they wouldn't previously have had. Um, I'm quite interested to see what happens with regard to, because obviously XP will be gone, but the levels will remain. Uh, in Division 4, I personally quite liked working to a power cap and sort of once your card got past a certain level, it was more useful in Division 3 than it was in Division 4. Um, so I'm quite interested to see the sort of the finer details on, on, yeah, on the levels and how that will work. But the, my main takeaway was Division 1 now becomes a lot more accessible to new users. 
Yeah, I, th- I completely agree. I mean, before I perhaps asked the other guys, yeah, I, I concur with that. Um, the And I think it, it will have a, a similar effect as you go down the divisions as well, but perhaps not to the same dramatic effect. You know, when a, a new unique is born and put on the auction house, you know, mm-hmm. whoever buys it, buys it at 21.6 times power, where we've had two and a bit seasons for certain uniques now, which already capped out at 100 times. So you've really got to play a little bit more of a medium to long-term game if you're new to the unique market because buying five new uniques off the market now, realistically, you're not going to compete with uh, older older cards. The same for Super Rares, 14.4, they start their journey, but we all know there's Super Rares in existence now, which are 33, 34 times. So again, very difficult. But as you said, you've got the comfort of working within the uh, parameters of, of a power cap. And again, Rares starting their journey at 7.2, where there's probably some that are 11, 11 and a half now. So, yeah, I think the softening in the whole range will, will certainly help from a com- us all compete on a much more level playing field. And, yeah, I can't wait to see uh, what those actual final numbers are in mid-November. What about you, uh, Quinny? Where do you sit? Um, well, I'm a wee bit disappointed it's happening now because kind of like what Tom was saying there, I was just starting to get into that little nuance of feeling my cards being ready to, you know, <laughs> move up a division and all. I've got a few super rares now, so they'll complement these really strong rares I've got. They're almost coming out of my nursery that I've been running for the last couple of months. So, I, I don't know, I kind of feel like I've had, uh, had the kids snatched off me on that one, but it's not, <clears throat> it's not a bad thing. I'm just... Uh, you know, you'll know better, Mark, because you're far more experienced. But when you've got these cards, you know, kind of developing and growing up in power, and like you're talking about with the power cap there, you get used to working in that kind of that world and how that works, and you know, try to squeeze them all in, and then yeah. So it's just it's going to be basically a, a new dawn, if you like, you know. So I don't really know how it's going to look. That's the main thing when I read it. I was like, well, it doesn't really tell me anything. I don't. It I, it feels like maybe the XP and the the level thing is going to be. And I know you guys have kind of broached on this already, but. It's just much less of a contributing factor now is what we're going to experience at the moment, which is fine. And everything you said, of course, is well valid. It's always about encouraging new managers on and if you've got something that's kind of ring-fenced off or, you know, that card's three years old, so it wins all the time no matter what, even if it scores bad because the power's so high, then that's only going to be a positive move if that kind of thing isn't allowed to kind of kick on. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. I think, I think something you said there around... You got just got to the grips with the balancing of the power and having to have these cards building up in in that nursery, and I and I get that, and I think for me, what this has done is taken away that complexity, and um, so it's one step forward and into making this game a lot simpler, a lot more, and, and therefore potentially more easy to access for for new managers. Cause I know that I've had lots of conversations with. Probably your, yourself, other other managers who have came on, and it's, what what does the XP mean? How, how, how does that impact? Should I be going for this nine point two, or should I be going for for that seven point four? What's better, and should I be paying more for that card or not? It takes away a lot of that. There's still going to be an element where we're not losing XP completely. That there's going to be leveling of cards, but it, it makes it a, a lot more simple. So to enter the divisions, it's going to be purely based on. The scarcity of that card, so whether they're rare, super rare, or unique, and I suppose there's there's winners and losers in how you've set up your collection so far. But I think it, it does make it so much easier for for those because no one's at a, that finished point. We've not got all the clubs in the in the world on this platform at the moment, do we? So everyone's still building up collections and, and trying to 
to win new cards and to, to purchase those in the auctions. And I think now you've got a, a better route in actually moving up from Division 4, particularly into Division 3 and, and maybe Division 2 for me. Um, so, um, yeah, I think there's... You think that they'll still have you know, they'll still have a power because obviously all the players the maximum score is zero to hundred, you know. So they still will need to give us some kind of multiplier, won't they? Because surely the the, the threshold isn't going to become five hundred is the max score anyone can get. You know, they still need those kind of yeah, new so, ones. You know, that the multipliers are seventeen point two and seven. You know, all these all these variables to make a, a, everyone's score completely different. Yeah. So Nicholas talks about levels, and I don't know if they have almost. So we've, we've seen it in the. The SO5 scoring a, a 0 to 100, whether we have something like that as a 0 to 100 or a 0 to, to 5 or 10, whatever that may be. But it certainly looks like we're still going to have some differentiator there. Um, but I'm sure. Yeah, I would like to think that there, there will be a scale that, you know, at the moment we've got 7.2 to 100, and I just see, you know, the natural progression will be a, a softer scale and so there will be an advantage I would I would expect and hope for owning a unique over a super rare in the same way that there will be an advantage for owning a super rare over a rare I think where it becomes interesting now is do we have situations whereby which we are already seeing to a certain extent a strong super rare should and this is an open question to anyone do you feel a strong super rare should be more powerful than you know mediocre or or poor unique and i think we've had variations of this question before and also when you've taken the time to build up a very strong rare should that be scoring higher on a game week than you know a very average or below average uh, super rare uh, at the moment as you said quinny that can't happen based on 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 the on the massive power differentials but hopefully under this new one you'll get managers that are rewarded for scouting and building collections of very strong cards that don't necessarily have to have the uh, corresponding higher, lower scarcity. Do you think that means then cards potentially have the power if they're bad football players to become weaker? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we're playing fantasy football here, or this yeah. this is this is the game that we are presented with at the moment. The SO5 is a, fa- a variation of, of fantasy football, and you know, yeah, um, I've I've, yeah, I've I have been I have benefited from having cards that you know have very strong multipliers that might come on and play ten minutes, do absolutely nothing, but still end up with a couple of thousand points, versus someone that might have bought a, a very no- nice new unique maybe had a couple of weeks worth of training in it, gets 80 points for having an absolute storm of a game, but still only gets 2,000 points at the end of, of it as well. So, yeah, I think uh, the, anything that can soften the curve will allow uh, managers that do their homework, are better at scouting, are better at you know, picking up off the market. And, and quite rightfully, I think they should be rewarded for that. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing for me is definitely in those lower divisions, say, take Division 4. Say, for example, we're all entering five rares into that, which obviously isn't confirmed. But if a user's been on since 2019, and then we get into 2021, that those rares can be significantly higher level. And how much does it affect onboarding in terms of going to the auctions? Because that is where so rare's primary income is from and i think that's yeah, something I think... where a balance needs to be struck definitely um it's a, a very good point and the, the team need to, to, to keep an eye on that how 
how, how that changes over time when we have new managers onboarding and when they, they implement this change to the, the XP system. So I'm sure it's something they are they are looking at or have on the radar as part of this change. Um, yeah, it's one more potentially just have to, to keep an eye on, but very important. I think if you, you get any of these elements wrong, the, the game changes quite quickly and, and potentially isn't as, as fun. So, yeah, the, the balancing of the, the game economics, card distribution, these things are, are core to the game. Yeah, they've got the seasonal bonus at the moment, which I think will be crucial. I think I imagine that will stay in some shape or form. And, you know, that seasonal bonus shouldn't be mistaken for managers going, oh, we want you to buy the new season cards. They're they're, they're better, they're more powerful. It's more that buying someone in August, September, brand new, uh, it helps bridge that gap, as you've just pointed out, Tom, between, you know, someone that might be sitting on a car, which is one or two years old or very close to reaching the max and, um, you can you can get yourself a card which you know can perhaps close that and give you the first two or three levels or five levels, however many it is, uh, to get yourself started and soften that gap. So, I think I think we've all concluded pretty similarly. If it's if it allows the competition to to be closer to each other across all divisions, then I, I can't see it being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so we should we move on to the next major topic, which uh, we've all addressed as well, selling cards. Uh, Nicholas was asked, what are you going to do to improve manager sales? Um, his response was, this is going to be one of our core focuses for the end of the year, and we plan to help in different ways. Uh, number one, adding more visibility to the manager sales tab in the product. Two, enabling managers to make an offer feature when the card is on sale in manager sales. Three, help people scout players in Sarah based on football criteria. Uh, four, adding more visibility to sales of managers that sell their cards at fair prices. So they've used an example here. We won't be highlighting a Cristiano Ronaldo Super SL for 150 ETH. Uh, and then creating more content around manager sales, email, and blog posts. So it's a topic which um, is, is, is always being spoken about. Um, who wants to take this one first? Hi, Beat, you want to go for it? Yeah, so I think lots of positives in there. The, the make an offer—that's a big one, isn't it? Mm. That's that, that's something I think we've been screaming out for. If you you see cards on on the market, there's maybe three or four of them listed, and and people typically will price around the other cards listed. But that, there's buyers out there. There's people who are who are wanting to make a deal, and at the moment, a lot of that relies on using direct messaging on. Discord or on, on Twitter with managers you've built up a connection with, a function within the platform to be able to do that just makes it so much easier. It's going to facilitate so many more trades, so many more sales um, between managers. So, yeah, that's a, a huge positive. I know I could maybe put a, a player up. There's some players I might win as a reward. I don't necessarily know exactly how, how to value them. So I'll look at sorry, our data, I'll look at the market and I'll, I'll put them up using using that information. But there might be managers out there that are willing to offer me maybe 10, 20% less than that. That might be acceptable to me. So yeah, this this makes it yeah, a great feature to the platform. So some of the other bits around helping people scout players um, within the game, that, that's great. You know, I think we, we all have our own traditional routes anyway, but anything that can add into the platform and be this one place where we can get that information. We're seeing all these small improvements all the time. 
with the, the data that's showing on the site. So, yeah, the more that we have, the better. Um, more visibility to the managers tab. So, definitely, if new users come on, you're first presented with the, the options. Some some managers don't actually see that that manager sales tab, and it's quite faint at the moment. So, yeah, that, that's going to help direct new managers, new users there. Um, so, yeah, overall, really positive. What do you think, Quinny? I, I'm really glad. I was actually really surprised when I joined the platform just that, like, you couldn't do that make an offer thing on the market because sometimes, like, especially, like, if, if you've ever seen the videos that I make, like, I, I don't, I've never had the opportunity to put in, like, a wad, a big oodle of cash in the one go. I'm kind of a dribs and drabs kind of guy. So sometimes I might be, like, scouting how to hunt something out and it's like, oh, I've got 137 in my wallet and this guy had to list them for 140. You know, and then he's not on Discord or you know <laughs> something like that. You know, like, surely to God, if I could reach out to this guy, I'm pretty sure he would accept one thirty-seven rather than one forty. But um, and then those trades pass you by, and you know, so I, I'm really glad this a feature. I think I'll make a lot of benefit of, and I'm sure a lot of other guys in similar situations will will make the benefit of. And in turn, that helps you know the people who are selling. You know, they're they're sitting in the dark; they don't know any different. But if they start getting a stream of offers bouncing, and you know, situation with the loose change in your wallet aside. But if you value a card for, let's say, 1.15, and it's not worth 1.15, it's worth 0.1, if you get a stream of five offers in real quickly, it's like 0 0.95, 0 0.1, 0 0.95, you, you get, you'll get the sense yourself, like, oh, I've priced that too high, you know? And then it kind of teaches you yourself where the value or what the, what the market value is of things. So I think it'll be a, a great uh, addition, and I think no one can lose out of it. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I think the biggest plus is actually for those managers who really want to sell cards as well. I know at the moment that I'm getting offers on cards based on a little bit under on what they're listed on, and I'm not especially interested in selling those cards. So if, if a Super Air has an average sale price of 0.8 and it's up there at 1, I'm getting an offer of 0.85, but I'm not interested in selling. And it's it's much more beneficial for the manager who wants to sell it to, to be able to consider that offer and potentially have multiple offers uh, to be able to, to consider and, and choose the highest one. Yeah, I think it's interesting from someone now that, I mean, you've accumulated 500 cards really quickly, Tom, so you've obviously gone about that in different ways, combination of auction house and dealing with other managers. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's about managers at different parts of their journey as well so if you're in the gathering stage or in the accumulation stage yeah you're going to want to have access to you know speaking to managers if you if you don't find the prices you know are, are within the, the range that you want to to to, uh, to be spending but conversely there'll be managers and, and maybe i fall into that category now on certain cards and i hear it when when i approach a manager who puts a card up for sale at what i consider to be an exorbitant price you know, it's a case of not because they're trying to pull the wool over another manager's eyes. It's more the fact that they don't need to sell that card. You know, if it does happen to, to reel in someone who is perhaps less informed or, you know, is really desperate to buy that player, then so be it. But, you know, if it only takes me a couple of clicks every day to uh, put a card on the market for 10 ETH, even if it's only a two ETH card, well, so be it. You know, it, it's it's there. And I think that, that perhaps rolls over from some of the other NFT markets that are out there whether it be art or land and it's perhaps something which we haven't seen yet in in our market is that people will come in and they'll buy something you know you know a very early serial number and we've seen it with cristiano ronaldo one of 10 from last season he just sits on the market for 100 150 ETH, depending on 
you know, what price um, that particular owner fancies listing him on that given day. And, you know, at some point, if Soraya takes off to a, an even bigger level, you know, like we've seen with, let's say, CryptoPunks, for example, which has been in the NFT news recently, someone's going to go and go, oh, CryptoPunks was one of the first NFTs or the first NFT on the market. And, oh, that's a top 100 CryptoPunk. Oh, and it's sitting at, you know, 50 ETH. All right, I'll buy it. And someone at some stage might look at Cristiano Ronaldo, one of 10, and go, you know what? That's probably one of the best cards in the game for that season. And, okay, I just want a token to say that I've got involved in this particular game. I've no interest in playing SO5. I'll buy it and off I go. I'm not saying that's why people list, but I'm trying to give a justification why people perhaps will list considerably over what the average manager thinks is a true market price is because they actually don't care whether or not it sells or not. Yeah, I think you're never also going to reel in, you know, a new manager in their first couple of weeks with, with 150 Cristiano Ronaldo. But I know for a fact that I definitely overpaid for for quite a few rares based on these inflated prices, you know, the first 20 or 30, definitely that that's just what I thought they sold for. And before I sort of understood so rare data and uh, more of the intricacies on how to value a player. And I think this, this will definitely allow sort of a more fluid system. And as a result, probably a fairer pricing as well. And I think the other point within the section of answers that Nicholas gave is that, I think for me, when I look at the best value tab, uh, I think that's something which can be improved on. And when that's improved on, I think that will 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 really help managers of all you know shapes and sizes as well. Because when I mean for me, regardless of where I started my journey, if I'm looking at I'm looking at the managers tab now, and I've got you know two Korean guys there that I've never heard of. I've got you know a guy from Leuven. I've got two guys identical guys from uh shimuzu s pulse as well you know and yes they're great cracking value you can buy any of these for under a fiver pretty much but is that something which you want to start your so5 journey or collection with is is buying someone from that and if they can get the algorithm a little bit fairer on that so that we can see still cards are of good value but maybe geared more towards you know maybe adding in international reputation or you know a coefficient for the quality of league they play in as well um i think if they can get the best value tab then that sets the tone for then you know any other you know filters that you want to then apply to to find players that are, are right for you chef our leads getting on you got any comment uh we've had one disallowed we're all over them <laughs> who's good you, you would say that Bamford had one disallowed. Bamford, ah, oh, he's in my FPL team. Okay, so let's move on to one of the other questions, which I think is, you know, fans of various different fantasy platforms uh, is important to know. Are you planning to introduce subs, vice-captain, or any other solution to eliminate these frustrating elements of the game? And I think the frustrating elements of the game were the dreaded DNPs that we try to avoid each week that do, does not play or did not play. Uh, Nicholas's response was DMP is one of the most frustrating parts of the game right now and we are exploring ways to warn the managers as much as possible about DMPs. The COVID situation makes it even more difficult but we'll do better. We are also thinking of introducing one substitute as it reduces the impact of DMPs and adds a strategic element to the game. So I know there's a, a big camp of four and a big camp against. Where do you all sit in terms of the introduction of potentially one substitute? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I, I think I'm definitely in the in the four camp, maybe just because of the, the size of collection as well. But uh, I've definitely had 
three examples this week of players who, who didn't play. Uh, Nordin at St Etienne uh, was announced with COVID the day before the game and, and didn't play and everyone else in that team did pretty well and I probably would have had a reward. That's just one example. But Napoli as well this week, uh, I left quite a few of their players out for fear of that game potentially being called off again. And obviously it went ahead and a lot of their players, Di Lorenzo, you know, Lozano, I own all these guys and, and didn't play them and they did very, very well. So I personally think it's a, it's a really, really good thing and also encourages people to build slightly bigger collections. See, on the Napoli thing, did you hear what happened in the aftermath of that? They get docked uh, a, doc a point and what happened was... Uh, yeah. The, apparently, like like Serie A or whatever, they've got they've got some sort of there's some sort of evidence circulating anyway. I don't know how tangible it is or whatever, but um, see, like the letter they got from the local health authority, it said they, they can't travel. Apparently, they requested it, <laughs> so they didn't need to go play Juventus. They could get the game picked down the roads for a couple of months. So that's how mm-hmm. they get that's how they get docked a point for not travelling, even though it was like COVID. Like you should maybe travel, you shouldn't leave Naples or whatever it is. Apparently, there's a letter or an email somebody's found in his like Napoli getting in touch with them saying, uh, These letters, we don't need to go play Juventus. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that you know, in the current time, we, we just are going to have whatever the reason we are going to have games postponed, aren't we? I know I had Minnesota and, and uh, Michael Boxall playing in, in the US division as well, and that got called off. Um, and it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating. So I think most other fantasy-based games have the option of substitutes and it can only be a, a good thing to, to lessen that blow of, of a frustrating DMP. I yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, Tom, but I, I think, you know, let's if, if we try and also look at the, the, the counter-argument for those that are perhaps in the camp of they like the fact that uh, they can compete and they want their knowledge to, you know, if they can have five people playing on the field at the same time and, you know, someone else hasn't done the homework properly and they only get four, then they've, they've, they've created that advantage over them. Plus the fact to say for, for collectors that do have, you know, much larger substantial depth of cards within their range to call from, um, you know, someone starting out would have to start out with six cards now instead of five, and those six cards would be then competing against six cards from, you know, more established manager who can afford to perhaps cover or hedge or, or, or use this substitute slot to perhaps, some would say, uh, even more of an advantage and uh, make it more difficult for newcomers to compete. Yeah, that's how the actual mechanic works, you know, sorry. Uh, because no, of the substitute itself, like, I don't play FPL, so I don't know how this, the bench works on that kind of thing, but... If it's a substitute in the sense that, oh, you, you've just got six cards now, you know, and it's the best five scores, then I think that's shit. But I think if it's, you know, you've got a DNP, so if you have a DNP, then this designated guy then becomes who comes in. I don't think that's terrible. I, I do take your point, but Mark, and I do agree with you. Research should definitely be paying off. It should definitely be a, a commodity information. You know, that's definitely a big part of all fantasy football, you know. But I think the strategy... Strategic element that Nicholas is referring to might well be that yes, you can have one sub, but if you just decide that you use your sub as a midfielder, and you're yeah. playing a form and you're playing a formation that's got one defender, one midfielder, and two attackers, and it's your tackle that goes off, you could probably get away with 
you know and that would still mean that you've got a valid formation on on the on the field but if you're selecting a substitute and your goalkeeper goes off uh, or your goalkeeper's dmp then your sub's not going to come in anyway that's how i would perhaps look at interpreting that not that okay you can have your best five scores out of six is that your sub does have to match or at least make your uh, formation valid for it to replace you know a dmp that you might have in your lineup yeah, which is exactly the same as, as FPL. Obviously, someone can only come off your bench if they still make a, a valid formation. You can't just be playing with within that game anyway. Two defenders and you know a, a two a two five three or whatever. Um, so I think that is absolutely key because you don't want to be playing a, a defender who's definitely out injured, and then you've you've suddenly got two midfielders and two strikers playing. I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. Point. Yep, some interesting points there. Um, I think for me, I'm probably in the, the camp of introducing it as the, the way to go. Um, I think there's a, a lot of positives there for the getting rid of the, the did not play element. I know that's a source of frustration, but I think it does uh, always talk about the balance. There, there needs to be a balance struck and some good points there around how, how do you, you make that fair so that somebody you know, doesn't benefit if their, their keeper went off and they've got a, a defender there? The formation still needs to be a valid formation. There could also be things looked at around how much does that substitute actually earn? Do they get the, the full point weighting of the, the first five? If they were to come on, is there a, a reduced point scoring that they, they get? So, yeah, there's a, a few things that the guys can do. I think overall it is positive. I think the the volume of cards that, that most active managers have um, would warrant it. Uh, I get the point about it makes new managers um, have to, to build a, lar- a slightly larger collection. But I think people typically do anyway. They, they build in those substitutes into their collection. They build in multiple lineups and formations. So... There's always a, a bit of overlap. You, you've potentially got a few players that are not fitting into to one or the other. Giving them a, another option, a substitute option, potentially allows a lot of existing managers to, to use those cards. So, yeah, I'd potentially be, be in favour for it, but it has to be introduced in the right way. It has to be fair and, and not introduce a, yeah an imbalance to new managers trying to compete against the, the really big collections. My kind of original idea for it when I seen there was a question for it was um, like a vice captain type idea. So, you know, rather than a substitute, you just nominate a vice captain. And if you have a DNP, then your vice captain kicks in, you know, but because who's not looked at a leaderboard and seen some, you know, you're right on the bubble. You might get a reward, you might not. And one of the guys you're flashing out with gets a DNP. You do get buzzing, you're like, get it up here, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you do feel, you know, so, uh, like I said, I can agree with Mark, but I think, you know, information definitely has to be a commodity, you know, when you're, it comes to this thing, you're studying fixtures, team selections, being hot on the news with who's injured, COVID aside, you know, that kind of, and just knowing the manager's preference for their away game, or, you know, they're playing this team, and whenever they play this team, it's always four at the back, and that means this will happen, you know. I still think that should definitely have the power it still does I, I get that and I, I'm in agreement with that as well I think when we only have a limited amount of clubs and therefore limited amount of card options then being a, a bit more flexible there is maybe important as you 
you build up all 20 leagues and, and we have you know, hundreds of different clubs on here, the options for, for people and, and that factor of actually going and doing your research and that becomes into a lot more, I think, at, at the moment. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a balance, but... Yeah. Well, at the moment, I'd have to use my substitute every single week as Merritt and Ospina and just uh, flip a coin yeah. to see who, who could two so chooses. So, uh, well, that's I'd a good not... point. If you yeah. have rotational players like that, you know, could you just be a wee bit sneaky and stick them both in and then they're covered? And it also depends on, on, on who scores as well. You mean you've got, you know, okay, the guy's got a hamstring injury now, but we've got Kobayashi and Damao playing for Kawasaki Frontale and they just seem to do 45 minutes each. And, <laughs> you know, they could, both, they could both score. One could score 70 and one could score 65 and you just take the score of the guy that scores 70. So with anything, there's going to be the ability to not take advantage, but, you know, find these, these anomalies and, and, you know, play to them or, or not. And so it's how... How do you introduce that and do you allow them or, or to, to what extent do you allow them? So, yeah, quite exciting. I think, yeah, I think, it, well, it looks like it's, it's coming. It's something we're also thinking of introducing one substitute. I think the, the feedback they got on that was overwhelmingly positive. So it's potentially one that they, they will progress in and look into further. So, yeah, I'd expect further news on that. Right, well, you just touched on it there, Hybe, as well. Uh, this is another question which is very popular. Is uh, what are your priorities in terms of club licensing? And as you mentioned there, uh, Nicholas has made it clear every single MA so far, we will onboard the top 20 leagues in the world. The more we grow, the more lit top clubs and uh, leagues will join the platform as a global game with an important scouting element. We'll also add leagues and clubs from all over the world. And uh, I think the clue in this answer was Latin America, for instance. So I know we touched last week on which clubs we'd like to see next, but uh, um, you know, which Latin American league is, 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 is Nicholas referring to? Boca Juniors. That's what I thought when I seen it. Boca. Well, it would be nice to give the MLS PA cards a bit of a run for their money. And, and like we have in Asia, we've got obviously the start now of Korea, Japan. And I think, and I'd like to see maybe at some point, the Chinese Super League also complement that as well. Um, so, yeah, anything that can uh, dovetail on the MLS PA, whether that's Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, anything around there, hopefully eventually over time, all of them. Um, but, yeah, certainly be nice to get to, uh, another full league under our belt. Yeah, I, I think the more full leagues that we have and therefore the more people that can specialise in those leagues, uh, de- definitely the better for the platform. Um, you know, I'll be in a position to potentially win some of those cards with my MLS uh, MLS holding already. But I, I think a lot of people will obviously be be holding your, your European champion and challenger. And then outside of that, it is really nice for it to be a global platform and, and to appeal to multiple fans of multiple different clubs in, in different countries um, and that it can only go from strength to strength to, yeah, I mean, China would be amazing and, and definitely Argentina and, and maybe Brazil as well. Yeah, because as well, like, if you think about what you were all saying there, imagine if they had all this out and you had, like, because Richarlison was the kind of example I'm kind of going to get to in a long-winded way, but I'll just make it short. Like Richarlison, when he was in Brazil, was not fancied as a big player or a superstar or whatever. And then he lands in Watford, and all of a sudden, you know, he's a Premier League player, and we all know who he is. So if you've got these little leagues you can specialise in, there's those wee, those wee um, pots of gold at the end of the rainbow you can find now and again, you know. 
I think it's also a good way to onboard as uh, new users as well. I mean, I think every time we've had uh, or every time we've seen a new club launch to the platform, with that it brings you know uh, a segment of you know the hardcore fans that you know I say like us that like their fantasy football but have an affinity towards that particular team. So that's the that's the hook that gets them into Serre for the very first time. And then they land on the transfer market. And then, you know, I say the world is their oyster. They can go from their local team or their, their, their supported team to, you know, buying players from all corners of the globe. So we've come to the part of the pod now where we talk about our game weeks. Um, I'll go first because man will be quick. <laughs> Um, I didn't he wants it. to get this out of the week well they're <laughs> absolutely battering Wolves but they are aren't they the stats are yeah, looking yeah um, it's just it's just one way traffic right now uh, but we need a goal like, we so we're going to get a, a wee I don't know so Jimenez goal tonight in the next yeah anyway I'll, I'll let you get I will, on I will, I'll you, I will uh, kick you I'll kick you <laughs> right carry on so yeah I mean I I didn't, I didn't do great this week at all. Uh, I started all right. I got up at seven o'clock on Saturday morning to watch the J League with high hopes, and I, I got a do- an all right score. <laughs> uh, my man Dankler scored a, well, a bit of a weldy. Uh but yeah, the rest of the team was. Rubbish. So he's finally back in the team. Well, it's just Japanese J League rotation, and it? it's just awful. <laughs> it, the, the Kobe was playing like the third team, the game before last. They was play, playing like the third string. It's just, They've had three different goalkeepers in three matches, yeah, haven't they? It's, it's insane. Like it's absolutely insane. Uh, so what can you do? It's just one of the things. Uh, but yeah, it was to no avail. I, I ended up 16th in Division Three, and that's about my best. So how did you guys get on? Well, yeah. We already heard a little bit of Tom's. Tom, you you stormed uh, one division. How else did you, how did you get on apart yeah. from that? Well, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. Is the is the honest answer. So I went on to uh, to have a look at my my results from this week, uh, thinking that it included a fifth in the European Challenger Division Two, and and I've logged on and I've seen that the scores have changed. Uh, Simon Delhi has got added a clearance on the line, and I'm up to position one. Uh, which would be amazing. So, so I'm currently sitting first in that pending updates. I'm also sitting first in the Champion America Division Four, um, but I think I, there's a fair chance that I might be knocked off that by Philadelphia playing tonight. And I'm, I'm third in the America Division Three as well, um, with actually my keeper to play. So I might, I, I should think I'll overtake the people ahead of me, but also maybe be overtaken by a few people behind as well. But, but a few, a few decent decent uh rewards this week coming hopefully very nice i've got to say the the challenger is is particularly satisfying because the team i assembled was one of the cheapest super air teams you can possibly uh possibly own it cost about three and a half eth for all the five players and i I don't know what reward i'll get if i do win um but if it stays at a, a tier two unique it will probably be worth around about that or, or more um, on the market. So that will be incredibly satisfying and I'll still have the, the cards to own and play in the future. Yeah, I'm looking at your team now. Maximenko and Gold, Delhi, Szymanski, Mamadou, Fool and yeah. Paul Onoachu, who's well, slowly becoming what, a cult hero for this season. <laughs> I've got you to thank, Mark, because actually I outbid you on the Onoachu. Don't uh, mention it, don't mention it. 
and then you sold me the Maximenko actually yourself. So so thanks well, very much. Don't mention it. Don't mention it. Check to the post. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> so I've had a, a bit of a, a mixed bag this week, but looks like I've got two prizes. So champion Europe Division Four and All Star Division Four. So we'll talk about that one a bit more when we come on to the the Managers World Cup. But yeah, Champion Europe Division Four, fourteenth there. So we had a, a big performance from Jonathan Bamba, a ninety-four point three. He's pretty much pulled in most of my points there. It's a, a good forty percent off my, my overall points. So yeah, the top three point five percent. I'm happy with that. I'll see what, what comes in. We'll see what, what happens. And the the other one, we've got a 160th place, but still a, a top 13% there in the All-Star Division 4. So, again, Bamba in that lineup. Um, unfortunately, I didn't ca- captain him there, but Danny Parisio with the 100-pointer the got me out of jail there and into the, the prizes. So, yeah, pretty happy. Still needs a bit more work from my, my super rares. We talked about it before around some of the the fresher ones and your ones having a a base XP of 14.4 makes it quite difficult for you to, to initially start competing in the, the higher division. So I'm seeing that at the moment. I'm trying to build some of these guys up. So it's going to take me a, a bit more time before I'm really starting to compete there. Plus, I need a few of them to actually start playing. Um, yeah, so mixed result, but a couple of rewards. Happy enough with that. Very nice. Kenny, how about yourself? Uh, well, I've, I've got a bunch of really good-looking scores, um, but they're all kind of threshold places. I get 20th in Asia D4. I'm looking at it, obviously, if, you know, we need to see what changes in that might happen. I'm not holding my breath, but I'm, I'm set up for like three positions where I'm excited about. But I've definitely got um, Asia D4 finishing 20th. I can't see that changing anyway, but I've got a lot of other ones where I get high scores and whatnot. I had my first, actually, on a little kind of footnote, I've finally, I've got six super rares finally, two of them are goalkeepers, one of which is Rufier, so he's not, I'm not planning on that, I've been that any use to me anytime soon at the moment. But what I thought I'd do is I'd put all five of them together and I would just toss them into all-star D2 and just uh, have a bit of luck and see what happens. And um, they got 4,000 points, which wasn't bad, the goalkeeper was DNP, but it really made me kick myself because I could have scattered them across a bunch of D3 entries and it would have made a big difference mm. to... To, to everything I could have put out this week. Um, so I feel a wee bit naive. I was just, you know, I got, I could put a full blue lineup out and I was like, I can't not do it and just hope for that wee bit of luck that they all start and get a good score and, <laughs> you know, whatever else. So I kind of let myself down on that front, but, but I don't regret it. It's all good fun. Yeah, well, I'll just bring up the rear then with a mixed bag. I'd, my, my highest position this week was third in the Asia Division 1. Um, still a good 5,000 points off number one and two. So I think even if a couple of my guys had kicked into gear, I saw on Sofa score that Furuhashi was getting the assist for that Dankler goal. And then I refresh and find out he didn't get the assist. And so uh, my uh, dreams of a 60-plus uh, finish for him dissipated quite quickly to 38. And then in, in good fashion, you'll be, as we before we go into the segment on the World Cup, you'll all be pleased to hear that I finished 308 in the... Uh, all-Star Division 4, I chose uh, my regular, uh, my donated token Luxembourg, Maxim Chanot. Used him as captain. He decided he wanted to concede a penalty this week. Finished with 21 points. But I think 
quite interesting for me when I looked at the scores. I mean, I put what I thought was a reasonable team together. Akin Fieven goal, he didn't do too bad. Alunga scored over 70 points. Van Aken over 60. And even my common card that I chucked in, Vieto from Sporting, he got 60 as well. Um, but just the fact that I chose Shannot as captain and he'd had a bad game, I still finished on 2,200 points. And for 2,200 points to finish 308th, I think just goes to show how competitive and, and fiercely contested the, the All-Star Division 4 is. So I, don't, I think oh. partly, maybe because of the World Cup a little bit as well. But yeah, Division 4 is hotting up. Yeah, so I was what, 160th there and that's 2,566 points. So there's not a lot in there. You know, I, had, I, had a, I did not play, but I had a 100-pointer, so that probably balances that one out. But, yeah, it's definitely getting a lot I more I was 72nd with 2,900. Nice. So, uh, yeah. And I was, I was 97th with 2,807. Ooh, but wow. that's, in a second, I lost. That was with one DNP, which has lost me my World Cup head-to-head. Oh, Tom, oh, it was a DNP. Uh, it was Samuel, was it? he just disappeared from the Spartak squad. I'm not, I, I still haven't seen anything on, on what happened. He was linked heavily away with a move, uh, to Lyon actually. Um, but obviously that didn't happen, and, and he just he's not in the squad, and I haven't seen any news on him, so so not sure is the honest answer. Well, coming well, could this. be worse. I- yeah, in the next section, Tom. But... <laughs> I, I persevere each week with Jonathan David. He gets on the field and still scores the same as a DMP. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what think's happened with him? Do you think he's just no fitting in? Or, or, or is it a step up in level? 4 0 home win against nine men, and he doesn't get a piece of any of the action. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Because he looks so good in Belgium. Well, I've only seen highlight reels and stuff, but you'd expect him to go into that Leo team and. Do something, you know. Yeah, well, oh, quality comes through. It just takes yeah. time sometimes. I think, yeah, big he's differences. Plenty of, and... plenty of good attacking players around him as well. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll come good. Yeah. So I think that gives us a nice segue into the managers' World Cup. Uh, I know me, Hibby, and Tom, a teammate. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's first of all, I think well, Tom's going to have to give some updates for us, isn't he, Chef? Him and him and BP Buzzing Paul have been the the ones all over this, help, helping us out and and really keeping a, a keen eye. We've been well, I've certainly been fairly busy this week and not been able to to, to spend a lot of time looking at the results and and how others were getting on. But the guys have been keeping us up to date. But Tom, I think we're yeah. going to have to discuss next week. So yeah, well, having a Having spent a couple of hours strategizing for, for all of us, along with Paul, who's also in our team, uh, I've managed to pull out an absolute stinker and have, have Gijo DNP uh, and actually Rude Vorma, who then gave away a penalty, I think, and he ended up on about 28. Um, so even though I have Bamba, who scored 94 as captain, I've, I've managed to lose my tie. However, I think... As it stands, all you three have won, and you've sort of carried me through. So I, I'm pretty sure we're, we're going through to the next round with a 3-1 win. I think we got lucky, though, and we've maybe got to consider not using all the same players, because I also have Samuel, Gijo and, and Bamba in that team. Yeah. So, yeah, we've, um, 
maybe taking a bit of a risk there. If it has, if it... a, a live update for you. Uh, Vormer has also had an Opta update. He's had his penalty conceded removed, and I think I've actually won my time. So this we might have a, we might have a four. He's gone up from twenty eight points to fifty. Tom, uh, <laughs> quick, quick question, mate. Where does it you work again? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not optimate, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> he's just got round to the V's. <laughs> Delhi was Delhi was done a while back. V sticks. Anyone else has got to? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's amazing. That is, but um, but yeah. So anyway, we might have had a more comfortable win than than initially thought. But uh, it'll be on on to the next week now and strategizing against the opponent again. How how did you get on, uh, Quinny? Our team smashed it four 0 <laughs> We absolutely bossed our, our He's been waiting for this moment. <laughs> this this might get cut. We're well over the hour, by the way, Quinny. So keep it short, yeah. In, in my team, it's me, Ross Anderson, Mel, MDJ. Uh, well, Dino, Lewis Turner, we absolutely I killed it 4-0. And I believe, I think we have Luxembourg in the next round. I believe, is there more than one Luxembourg? I don't know. Is that is that your team? Is it, Mark? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. Do we have to turn up and play? Can't we just have a bye to the If you had a bye, then, I, then I've got you in the next round. Because the team I've got had a bye and it's Luxembourg. Yeah, no, we, we, we had our uh, team talk this week. It lasted about five seconds and we just said, just do your very best. And uh, it's probably not going to be good enough. You know, we've already got the excuses in the bag of having, you know, five commons only that are already up to 3.4. We can hardly even field five players and get it under 42 these days. So uh, it'll just be whatever five, just be the five, just be five players basically that happen to add up to 41.9 and then we'll just see how they go. I love so it how you don't play it. Despite your thorn, you, are you being carried through this week by your team? Well, unlike yourself, Tom, I was planning on trying to win my uh, my, my match out of the four and not rely not rely on the other three to take me through. But uh, if that's the way it happens, if if we win three one and I've lost, I don't, I'll, I'll be a happy man. <laughs> but do you know the latest score or not? Latest score from what? No, I think, do you know do you know where where your team's at at the moment? We've got a bye. We got we got to buy, yeah. I mean, so my my three hundred and eight is, is absolutely irrelevant. It's easy for the people at the top, isn't it? Wow. Give me the next round, but <laughs> that's it. <laughs> do you know? Do you know? Do you know what position you're going to be given within your team, uh, Quinny? And then maybe I can have a chat with my my boss, and so we can make sure we go head to head. I can tell you exclusively that Mel is the captain, so she's in charge. I have no control. I'll, All right. I'll get I'll get Mel to have a chat with uh, with Max and uh, let's see if maybe we can pair off against each other then. I don't think Mel's not going to go for that. Mel's too smart. <laughs> I'm the weakest link out of our four. You should you should take that offer. You think so? I don't trust you, but I think I'm I'm not falling for this whole. Oh, people like the comments, good us, you know. I'm not <laughs> falling for it. <laughs> not falling for it at all. I know you've been. Getting Mbappe's and Neymar's picked up. There'll be a, a few BPSG cards in there. I know there will be. My lips are sealed. <laughs> so that's probably a, a good point to, to move on to talking about the PSG 50th anniversary auctions. So, yeah, on the, over the weekend, we had the, the, the new 50th uh, edition anniversary cards created for, for PSG. 
Reav. I'm just trying to find the, the updated prices on the most expensive auctions because a few of them are on there. But so our data's down for, for maintenance, so never seen yeah. that. But I'm sure we're going to be having a, a, a nice little update from the guys soon there. So seems to be some cracking updates every other day on that site. So um, looking forward to whatever that is once it opens back up. But yeah, I mentioned at the, the start of the, the episode that we had a unique Neymar and also a super rare Mbappe go alongside a, a whole bunch of other rare and super rare PSG limited edition cards. So these were, were purposely created for their, their 50th anniversary. Um, lovely artwork on there. And I think with the, the growing collectibles market, they're, they're certainly, it felt like to me, that something that was targeting um, that, that type of audience. And I think from some of the prices that we saw and some of the excitement that we, we saw in the social media channels, that was certainly the case. So, yeah, Mark, you, you managed to pick up that Mbappe Super Rare. I was watching that auction with uh, amazement as that went for a, a considerable price. What was your, your thoughts around there? And how quickly do you think you're, you're going to recoup that, that amount? I know we've talked in the past about the ability to actually return the, the cost of these cards in, in quite a short period under under a, a 12, 12 month turnaround. What are your yeah, thoughts I don't think you're going to believe me if I say seven to eight weeks on this one, are you? So I uh, might have to uh, stretch it out a little bit longer than that. But uh, look, I think I think first of all, it's, it was just a stunning um, set of cards. Um, I was fortunate enough to be around for you know the West Ham uh, anniversary cards at the beginning of also at the end of the 2018-19 season there was a special selection or section of 30 to 35 uh, ambassador cards which have got a slightly different background on them as well you can't find them through the filters at the moment but you might come across them every now and then as you're looking through uh, older managers galleries as well and so yeah for me that when i saw the psg ones was it thursday friday um looking at the cards i i, I thought all that would go for you know crazy prices uh, that it's already a big cross-section of PSG fans that seem to have loaded up their wallets in anticipation. I tried to bid on the 1 of 10 Mbappe and got insta-rejected inside two minutes. So, you know, knowing that I couldn't get access to a super rare Mbappe anywhere else and knowing deep down that I'm not going to be competing with Zarao or, or um, Mr. Karapu on um, the Neymar, which would have been a nice card, then, you know, that, that was my focus for the hour. And... Yeah, uh, I think, although it was perhaps a little bit more than I anticipated going, um, I think I've, I've been selling cards over the last couple of months to raise uh, for, you know, something special. And I saw that card as something special. And I've seen NFTs in the, in the art world and uh, in the land NFT world. You know, there seems to be so much hype and positivity and there's things going for 50, 60, 80, 100 ETH. And, you know, I'd like to think that maybe looking back that whilst it might look expensive, you know, 24 hours on, uh, I think it improves my collection and perhaps will allow me to use different cards in different divisions and Mbappe can bolster either my Champions Europe or uh, under 23. So I might not better amortise that card and that specific investment back you know very very quickly but i think it will allow me to perhaps have more consistent finishes overall and that might lead to you know 0 0.2 0 0.3 equivalent eth or another card each week that uh, i can earn just from having mbappe within my overall collection now yeah, it's a, 
a lovely card to have. I'm very jealous. Looking definitely over his, his last few scores. That's the norm for this kid. And I think he's going to have many hundreds. So, yeah, having him in your collection, it means you're, you're guaranteed to be scoring highly in at least that, that fifth of your, your setup. So, yeah, well done. Hopefully one day I can get myself even just a, a rare. I think that's the, the target for me eventually. But they're not cheap either. So, yeah, we had a few of them go for for maybe just over a £1,000. But that Neymar unique... £21,706 Karupu paid for that. So 74.416 ETH. That's huge. That's massive. But you talk there, Mark, about some of these NFT sales. And I think you're right. This is going to look pretty cheap in time. I look at the utility of these. So that Neymar that Karupu's picked up or the Mbappe you've picked up, you're going to win back rewards and with increasing ETH prices um, that have been announced, I think we're, we're potentially, you're going to be able to, to do so quite quickly. Some of the the NFTs that we're seeing going for, for huge, huge prices, they don't have that same utility. They don't have that ability for, for you to use them on a weekly basis for four, five, six, 10, 15 years, maybe in Mbappe's case. Um, they rely on somebody else wanting to buy that for a, for a higher price. So, yeah, I think this is a, a huge market and we've came to it for, I think, all five of us because we've got a passion for, for football. But I think there's a, yeah, a a really undervalued side to, to things where the, these collectors and people who are interested in in this kind of thing from a, a completely different angle, um, they, they've not really found this platform yet. And I think it's a, a huge market waiting to explode. Yeah, I think definitely. And in that way, I think, Mark, you've got yourself a sort of MBAP light, uh, unique, if you like, because really it's going to have that one-off collectability value. And even if it doesn't have the same sort of tournament utility in terms of being being that higher powered unique, it is going to be one of a kind, 50th anniversary, a, a really, really nice looking card. And he's obviously going to go on most likely to be considered one of the best players ever. So uh, in that way, I, I think paying paying thirty one ETH, obviously his his unique card will go probably upwards of a hundred ETH now. Now what we're looking at compared to Neymar, um, so I, I think actually thirty one ETH, <laughs> the most expensive super rare ever, actually looks like pretty good value. I'd agree. Well, it's funny you mentioned the uh, utility. Uh, giving it power. I was having this chat with a guy this afternoon who's got quite a substantial Top Shot collection, and it, I agree. You know, the utility does and and does help you perhaps when you're looking to make a major purchase. Go, yeah, okay, I can start to see ways of, of recouping the outlay that I've just made on it. But I think we also can't overlook the fact that in fancy football, also, you know, the the opposite can be true as well. Um, you know, we can buy a card that could have, you know, uh, an unfortunate injury uh, or we can buy a card that falls out of favour. We can buy a card that, that gets transferred to a team which is uh, not covered by Opta. And so in the same way that you can recoup your investments, uh, there are going to be cards out there as well that uh, you go into the transaction with the same outlook um, and doesn't go uh, in your favour. And, and that's maybe the, the trade-off between, let's say, the land or the arts, where 
got a piece of art and it's valued at 10, 10 ETH. Nothing's really going to happen to that, really. You're not going to wake up the next morning and find out that piece of art's worth one ETH, whereas you could spend your money on a 10 ETH unique card now, get a, uh, a Van Dyke injury, and all of a sudden your card, probably for 12 months at least, is going to be worth a fraction of what you've paid. So I think there, there still needs to be you know, uh, a consideration on, on the downside when you purchase a car as well. Uh, yeah, you might never recoup the money that you pay for it. Um, and you just got to hope then that the residual value of the card stays strong enough that someone else will want to buy it off you at some point. But um, yeah, there are some risks. Yeah, I still think you've got a fantastic deal, especially with your collection of super rares and being that little bit higher power than the ones on auction. And now, you know, you're probably going to be sticking a couple of them in with, with them back uh super rare into whatever champion europe d2 in the next few weeks and probably get a, a fair return out of him as well so um and and with his age even if he does have a, a significant injury he's still got a lot of uh, football playing time left in him yeah but i think that also lends nicely to looking at the the frequency of these these rewards that are coming out as well and that played also on my decision the mm. fact that if you can only win an Mbappe and then he disappears and doesn't come back into the prize pool for five weeks, mm. I'm also anticipating that he probably won't be in the auction house every few days um, yeah. because we know four are going to be available to win as prizes. Four are going to be at auction and we've had two. So, yeah, that 14.4 multiplier, someone, someone was joking, am I going to leave him as a virgin and never play him. Now I can assure you he will be in my team at some point. Um, but yeah, if I can get that 14.4 up to 17, 18, 21 very, very quickly, by the time the next Mbappe, I mean, next Mbappe could be one as a price tomorrow, but by the time the fifth, sixth and seventh Mbappe comes out, then yeah, I'd like to think there's going to be a slight advantage uh, in power. Who knows what that will be, but I'll take any advantage, to be honest, uh, on, on a card like that. Absolutely. So I think that takes us into to some of the, the user questions now. So we've, we've got quite a, quite a lot today. Probably not going to get through through them all, but we'll, we'll try to, to get them on the, the next episode. So something that we, we put out at the end of the, the last episode was a, a question from Surface to analyse players from a, a real-world surreal and value perspective. So on Discord, we asked users to, to put, pop out the name of the players they wanted us to have a look at. So we've got Dejan Kulisevsky, Kulu. We've got Sven Botman, and we've got Kai Havertz. So I think we'll, we'll start to look at the, the top two there. So, Quinny, what, what are your thoughts on, on these guys? Uh, well, real-world terms, uh, Havertz at the moment is kind of a wee bit of a question mark. Obviously, changed leagues and, and everything else. Uh, what's going on with Chelsea at the moment and goalkeepers and results and whatnot? I was actually, when I joined Sovereign Havert, so when I joined, I'm sure there'll be a, a fair proportion of the community that would be in this boat also, but I just came from Football Index, and the very, very first thing I thought, and I was quite rejoiceful about finding it on this, is I was thinking, who are the brilliant football players that, number one, I just wouldn't buy on Football Index because they're too expensive for my portfolio, my budget, for me to get the kind of return that I'm after, monetary-wise. Um, and number two, who's just really good football players that are not good on Football Index that I wish they were? And I made a list, and it was like maybe about 10 players, and you can probably imagine exactly who it was. You know, these guys like Havertz, Renato Sanchez, you know, uh, Dybala, you know, Zaniolo, you can probably imagine. 
And uh, I tried to get him out quite quickly in a hot time, but it was always expensive and also the Chelsea transfer just pushed him right out of my price range, basically. But, um, but I, I like the kid a lot. I've watched him a lot when he was in Germany because of other things I, I got up to in my spare time. And the guy is a, he's a brilliant player, like brilliant. He can play. Yeah, he's not ever played in defence, but I think if you had to play him in defence, I think you'd still get by okay. You know, <laughs> he's such a great footballer. He really is. Um, and I, I rate him immensely. In the ages that as well, if you do have a limited Leverkusen card, and now Havertz until Chelsea come on board, is he's, he's a brilliant card to own. Even when Chelsea do come on, he'll still retain a lot of that value because he's a class football player. And how old is he at this moment in time? Is he 20, 21, 19? He's like yeah, 20. He's, yeah, he's super young, you know. So he gets whole career ahead of him owning these cards for as long as you do. You're talking about the super rare Mbappe, same boat. Um, you know, you're talking about the thick end of 15 years from now of of production you can get out of him. You know, so from that perspective, really good. The other top one was it Sven Botman, or was that was that the other guy? That's the one, yeah, Botman. So Lille. So the Bot the Botman guy, to be quite honest with you, I've not looked into too much. I know he's a transfer from Ajax. I want to say, and I don't think Ajax really rated them too highly. I think it's more that the Lille people rated them really highly, and I think there might be somebody in the background that's maybe you know, like a, a scout or a, a director or something that has went that path also and, and fancies him and thought, we're, we're, we're going to sign Botman, we're going to bring him in. I do understand he set the ground running and set some good scores. Don't really know much about him otherwise. Yeah, he was a, he's one of these new players to me this season, certainly. Uh, he wasn't on my radar last season, certainly not from a football index perspective, but something looking at his scores and the, the prices that people have been paying for him recently, so £2,800 for his, his unique. Now, Mr. Karupu and lots of the rares going for, for over £100. There's some big money going into to this guy, but looking at his scores, I can see why you have him in your team four out of the last five weeks where we've had you know, some, some big scores, two above 80. So, yeah, he's a, he's the type you, you want in that squad. Um, I think you touched on it there around the, the age and how long these guys have to go. So, they're already, all three of them, playing at elite clubs, clubs at the top end of their um, domestic leagues to an extent. Um, but they're, they're, they're not, you know, playing at lower league teams or are still waiting on that that big move. They're, they're already at a, at a level and they're all performing exceptionally well. Obviously, Botman is maybe less data around him and we've seen him for, for less time, but we know how Kulisevsky's been over the last year or two. Kai Havertz has, has really hit the ground running last year and, and got that big move to the Premier League now, but performances for, for all these guys have been solid and that's something I'm certainly looking for, elite quality youngsters who, who are playing. So you've got these guys available for at least two more years in the under-23 divisions, and then potentially 12, 13 in, in other competitions. Um, yeah, so. How do you see Kulisevsky's season panning out? He's also playing the now, but there's a lot of chopping and changing in that team. No Dybala, no Ronaldo, they've just signed Morata. You know, do you think Kulisevsky will continue to get the minutes he's going to get in the now? I think he up. will. Uh, yeah, I think he will. The, the quality is there. Um, and I think it's the, the type of attacking threat that they, they need. There's, there certainly is a lot of rotation, but typically on, on some of those fringe players and, and those older guys, um, I think he's been 
brought in to to do a job, something that they've, they've been missing to to link up that at the at the front. So yeah, see him having a, a big season, but yeah, like like anyone, can he, he stay injury free and and can he maintain that form? That's always always the question. But he's he's feeding some some big names, and I think he'll get himself on the you know, on the back of the papers and in people's minds because he's doing so. So. Yeah, I think he's... Yeah, I was quite surprised that they went for uh, for Chiesa after signing him, actually. Especially yeah. considering as you brought in Morata and you got Ronaldo, Dybala, Bernadeschi to come back as well, who's who's going to be you know the the same sort of position. I was very surprised that they then went out and signed signed Chiesa, and I, I feel like that probably will slightly at times impact his his playing time throughout the season. What do you think that means, Tom? What do you think Pirlo was? But why does he push for that Chiesa signing? I've I've got no idea. I mean, one one option is is that he sees he sees Kulusevski as a as a sort of number ten behind uh, one front man or, or two front men, and Chiesa is more a a, a right sided predominant player. Um, but but I, I don't know. I, I suppose Juventus have, have sort of got an embarrassment of riches now, haven't they? In in attack. Um, the Murata signing is, is interesting as well in terms of how, how, is he going to be their main front man if not why did he did he go back there um, how is it going to impact Ronaldo is he going to be out wide well, you know there's there's all sorts of questions to answer in terms of how, how Pirlo lines up how does that 1 out of 10 Kulosevsky feel Tom oh, it's not 1 out of 10 mate. I wish it was 1 out of 10 I've got the 1 out of 100 I've got the I've oh, got the red it was I, a rare. Yeah, I got the one out of a hundred. So I, I got him in a in a bundle with Alexandro Bernadeschi um, and Arthur as well, who uh, who I was I was quite keen on on getting hold of on a couple of others. Um, and I only you know I got him for under 0.8. I got him for really really good value. So I would say his oh. rare in itself for the one out of a hundred for what we're we're seeing the sort of one out of a hundred the these other elite. European players going for, I think that's really good value. Um, a big club and Euros on the horizon as well. I think it'll get good game time for Sweden. Um, I, I'm pretty happy to be holding that. I've actually had an offer for him, which which is is 0.7, so would have would have sort of made up most of the value of that bundle just from him. Um, but I'm for now happy to hold and sort of see how he develops. Interesting. Yeah, the, the notes 0.7, 0.8 seems to be what he typically goes for or is, is listed for. So, yeah, I think if he's a player that you rate, it's probably good to, to hold out. You're going to get a, a lot of utility out of him. So. I think, Mark, you've just you've just uh, moved on. A, you've won a super error and then moved it on, have you? Yeah, I won the super error last week in the under-23. Um, it was a one-in-three chance of winning an Mbappe, uh, the Oki goalkeeper, and Kulisevsky. So I've got the mid one, I would I would say. Most people would agree that. Um, and then 24 hours after I told you I wasn't going to sell him, um, I had an offer. Well, I've got to say I had another offer from, you know, someone that you guys know very well that uh, was perhaps a little bit below where I thought he was uh, he should be valued. A lot of people coming up and quoting Sarare Data's previous uh, sale prices. Uh, perhaps not taking into consideration the, uh, the the changes of rules that have taken place since then. But no, uh, I had a fair offer, uh, which uh, I found it hard to say no to. So 
It was a combination of ETH and a couple of player cards. So I got 3.25 ETH, uh, a Mandanda rare, and I went back. I, I regretted selling a Felipe Super Rare, the Atletico defender. Um, I think he's only worth about 0.4, 0.45. But uh, I think for the upcoming week with Atletico playing, and they're going to be playing games thick and fast. Uh, I took him on board rather than a four ETH deal. Um, so, yeah, cards to the value of 0.75-ish, I would say. And, yeah, so for me, that SR is worth four ETH. Uh, and as we saw yesterday with, you know, and, and as we're seeing now with some of the elite SRs, if they are going to come around in prizes less frequently and they are going to come around in auctions less frequently, you've got to take your, you've got to take your chance. And there's a lot of managers now who uh, are showing that they're, they're not scared to splash the cash. And and I can tell you from a first-hand experience, they're not also prepared to negotiate as well. You know, and rightly so. If they've just spent that money on a card, why would they want to sell it or on per 10 or 20% later? So you've got to make a choice at auction these days. You either have to pay the price uh, and play the manager that's also fighting at auction with you, or you've got to pass and then see if you can either win it or uh, wait patiently for the next one. So it's quite interesting. And I think that will cause a, a widening on the sort of players that people have asked us to uh, uh, review, the Kulisevskis, Havertz, I'm not going to put Botman in that category, he's just a bog-standard defender in the French League. Um, but the good elite players, uh, I think, will start pulling away now even more at auction. That Mandanda, Mark, that wouldn't be a, a D4 global all-star level Mandanda, would it? Um I'd have to ask my manager about that one. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, oh, 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 I but what I can tell you is that the, the mar- he's 8.6, so it's marginal. It's marginal. He's already got level four on him. So uh, I might be in the want to trade channel, Mandanda 8.6 for 7.2 if anyone's in the market. So to wrap up today, we've got one more community question, which is from Buzzing Paul, who asks... How much value cards will retain once their SO5 utility reaches zero? And I think this one will tie into a couple of the other FAQ, oh, sorry, questions in the AMA that Nicholas uh, uh, also answered with regards to what value will coaches' cards have, retired cards as well. So um, mm-hmm. I've got quite a strong opinion on this, but uh, maybe as more relative newcomers to the game that see perhaps utility 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 what do you guys feel about cards that uh, uh, like that have retired or you know no longer part of a, a functioning league yeah well I'll, I'll give my view and then pass over to the the guys but i think it, it really varies um so that there's going to be some players that will absolutely have a, a value once their so5 utility has has ended there's others that are in my view going to have zero um I think we've touched on some of the unique cards or elite players earlier. We've touched on the NFT collectibles market. And, and you mentioned there about manager options. Um, some, some of these players may become managers in, in the future and, and get additional utility that way. But I, I think for now, certainly in the, the the way this market is and the, the way others will, will perceive these items, I think there's a, a few players who fit that category who will retain a value once they stop playing. So you might have your Ronaldos in that, that category. If we had Messi on the platform, I think he would potentially fall, fall into that category. There's there's only a handful of players who, who will really become a collector's item. 
yeah. Are, are you going to, to buy that Daily Sink Gravin or that Mitchell Weiser or or whoever 15 years after the, they've retired? There, there might be some people, but I don't think there's going to be a, a huge market there. But there are those elite players that people are going to, to want to collect. We see it in the, the more traditional sense from Panini sticker albums, from collectible cards, um, more so in, in the American market and baseball cards and other American sports. These are huge, huge markets, Mark, and I know you're quite close to that side of things or or, or certainly been tweeting a, a few huge sales in that space, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. I think this is very new. People are not necessarily aware that this exists, but I think in time that market grows. There's certainly going to be a demand for, for some of these players, but others will have absolutely no value once once they're retired, um, other than you know, maybe from a, a personal collectible point of view, they'll have very little um, sell-on value, but that's just my, my perception at the moment. Things change pretty quickly. So who knows in the future? What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm, I think I'm, I'm pretty much on the same sort of lines as you. I'm not personally here as a, as a collector. I think it's a very, very small minority of, of those, that elite handful, if you like, that will have the collectability value going forward. I personally, I know it's been spoken about a sort of manager's card and all of this. I think that's another thing that makes the game potentially more confusing and more expensive to newcomers and I'm not a particular advocate of it um, but at the same time I do appreciate that the the collectability value in in the broader scale outside this game is thriving on certain platforms and that, um, that perhaps if there's enough crossover of, of collectors and and people interested in football um, that it can be a, a sort of lucrative thing and I'm not completely against it either you know the idea of of a player who retires then going into management and you being able to utilise that card somewhere. Yeah, similarly, um, it doesn't play a, a major part in my thinking. Um, it doesn't really play any part in my, my thinking at, at the moment. But I think over time, uh, it possibly does more so. And I think yeah. maybe at, at the higher do, end. I also do think that anything that brings new people to the platform and if people, you know, are exclusively collectors and want to come to the platform and exclusively collect and not not play the SO5 and not try and win cards, that's of course absolutely fine by me. Um, and and anything that can onboard, uh, uh, yeah, a different band of people into the game is is obviously is great. Um, I I just think that it will be such a small minority of cards that are on the level that are interesting to those kind of collectors. Yeah, I think you're right. And just want to make it clear, I mentioned two players there. Um, so no slight on those players. I own multiples of both of them. I bought another one of one of them today. So Sell, sell. Daily Sinkraven, <laughs> sell, sell. That's it. That's it. So they have use. I can see value in the prices that I've picked them up at. Um, maybe others can't because they've allowed me to pick them up at that value. But yeah, I think... Um, they're fine. So that, they were just the examples, guys, that popped into my head. But I think you're, you're right, Tom. There'll be very few that really fit into that category. 
Oh, I don't disagree with either of you. I think uh, just to have slightly different viewpoints is that, you know, we are so young in this platform's uh, uh, journey that, you know, yeah, I, I'll probably hazard a guess what, one, two percent of the cards that are in circulation are retired or don't have any utility. Maybe it's a little bit more. I don't know. But as time goes by, we'll obviously get a higher and higher percentage. And yes, a lot of managers will come in immediately and think, you know, they've got no utility. I'll, I'll, I'll overlook that. But, you know, there, I think, might come a time where, and even if we, you know, I'm sure we've all played top trumps at some point in our life, even if we had something at the end of a player card's career, which said total appearances, total goals or assists or clean sheets, or whatever happens to be, and had, even if it was just half a dozen very basic stats about the career of that particular player. Never I can imagine, you'll never walk along blockchain. Well, yeah, how many, we how have many transfers, this, we? Yeah, how many, how many transfers that the, the card has had through its mm. career, or you know, total amount of ETH uh, for for the for the transactions that it, it accumulated through its career? Uh, yeah, number of owners. Uh, there's lots of things that you could do to make a very basic game. I'm sure someone with far more creative mind than me could could think of something uh, uh, much more exciting. But yeah. I imagine a deck of, let's say, you've got a deck of 50 cards that have all retired and you play a top trumps game against someone with a deck of 50 cards and the winner takes, you know, a card or what what have you. So, yeah, a Dally Sink Raven with 350 appearances and four goals might not be a particularly exciting card to own beyond his uh, playing career, but there might still be some very basic um, utility for that card depending on what other games are created. And, and then again, if you've got a card of an elite player that's gone on to retire, then who knows? Maybe that card could then continue to have more value than some of the cards in the game if his card could then be proved to have enormous value in other games that have been created. So um, that's not to say that I'm, you know, expecting great deal from, you know, my Andy Carroll card or, you know, some of the things that I've kept back from 2018-19. I say a lot of them, I just look back and there'll be keepsakes or memories from certain phases of the of playing the game because, you know, selling something for 0.03 or 4, you know, versus keeping it, it's hiding or hair. But yeah, hopefully someday there will be some, some other games that we can put these cards to use outside mm-hmm. of SO5. Yeah, I think really, really quickly then you touch on a really good point there of just the versatility of having cards on the blockchain and being eligible to compete in, in different games outside of this and even inside of this going to SO7, maybe SO11 was mentioned in the AMA as well at some point. Um, there, there are so many things that you can do and it is just a, a, a really good point for the platform that all these cards uh, can potentially have a life afterwards and and a life in other games even when they're active. And even so, things like SBC that you might get on FIFA. Sorry, Hobby, that the uh, you know that it might be you know we get achievement based rewards as well, and you've got to have a player from this team, or you've got to have a player from this yeah. season, or you've got to have a player from that season as well. You know, I think the achievements is you know something which has taken a back burner over the last six months because of the other things that have needed to be you know stepped up on in the platform. But again, uh, I'm seeing it on the basketball game now. You know, it's like I, I've got to go and get these 10 players. And if I get these 10 players, it unlocks a moment that I cannot buy at auction. I cannot win as a prize. Yeah. And at that point, you're probably going to go, well, I don't really care whether I like Andy Carroll or whoever. But if that Andy Carroll is one of 10 cards I need to unlock a prize that can't be, can't be got elsewhere, then all of a sudden it might bring back to life certain sections of the database uh, that uh, perhaps like that. were... Uh, yeah, many people have overlooked. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know that there's this <clears throat> connection as well and you know they're working with an entertainment giant i think that nicholas called it in in the ama i mean they they sold over a billion uh just just online in in games last year so I, I think that the fact that they're working with those game designers and the marketers and and nicholas is sort of fairly bullish about that and and uh just the amount of support they're getting there uh i think that between between all of those brains then then there'll certainly be other utility that pops up at some point or other agree so just just on that i think it popped into my head but there's maybe somebody listening to this who decides to go and set up a Surreal Masters League where we can transfer out our, our players and enter them in some kind of future tournament there. There's so much, so many options um, and I'm sure we will see other things popping up and uh, other ideas for these guys. Um, yeah, really interesting. Quinny, any thoughts? Yeah, so see for me, when, when I seen this question, I thought, well, the first thing that popped into my head, right, it's actually really funny all the points he's made. I've got a one out of a hundred <clears throat> Kevin Paredes rare. Um, I don't know if you know, he's listed on this as being 16, he's pretty much 17. But I I can tell you that now, I'm not going to sell that card, right, for, for any reason. It's just not, you, you couldn't pay me enough to make me want to sell it for what it is. If I have him all the way to he's 35 and then he retires, I really don't care, number one, what his value is when he retires at that point because I've had <laughs> a lifetime's worth of use out of him, you know. So, um, but I have another card that you'll probably be familiar with. Petty Martinez or Gonzalo Martinez, who moved to Saudi Arabia recently. Yeah. And um, I managed to pick him up quite cheap because of the name thing, I think. And he won me a prize, maybe two, and I got a direct offer from somebody. They were like, oh, mate, I'll pay you. I can't remember what it was. Say it was 0.3 for your Martinez. And I was like, no, sorry, man. I'm not selling him. He's a prize bagger. means a lot to me. Literally three days later, <laughs> he was on a plane to Saudi Arabia. I was like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. But I've... Um, I, I, I just forget he exists. I just leave him there. He's not going to stay in Saudi Arabia forever. So when you have these cards that might transition, might make a temporary move from, you know, an opta coverage that, we've, that is acceptable to so rare and they move out of that kind of region, if you like, or move into a territory where opta don't cover it in as much detail, it really depends how much you paid for the card, I think, for how much value it will still hold. Somebody like Pippi Martinez, who I paid 0.24, for, who is already, in fairness to me, bagged me something I could forget about that, but if that was a, you know, if that's like your unique Neymar and he gets to 33 and he goes to Qatar for a year, then you'd be pretty raging <laughs> or you'd be pretty sore, you know. So it really depends on the card and the situation. And I think as long as, like, I think Tom is kind of leaning to a lot of the people that are here are not going to be collector collectors. It might be a hybrid or more on the competitive side. And when you've got your finger on the pulse for transfers, you won't leave yourself, I would hope anyway, too exposed to a situation that, and obviously you can't predict transfers if, you, if we could, and we'd all have Twitter accounts with 5 million followers, you know, but I, I think you understand the point I'm trying to babble on about. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's so many facets to it, isn't there? The, it all comes into play. So, guys, this has been a, one of our, our longest episodes so far. This brings us to the end of today's Surrey Global Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you found it useful. And as always, if you could like, subscribe and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept of Surreal to more users. And if you haven't already joined, then grab yourself 10 free cards and get going. See you next time.